Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Wondering how they can help you? Here are just a few ideas. They use ingenuity and imagination to create awareness of progress and opportunity within your community. They help residents and visitors find local shopping, dining, and service businesses. They make residents and stakeholders aware of challenges that affect them and their community, while encouraging them to get help or get involved. They can also work to help attract new small businesses while helping micro-entrepreneurs learn how this small but mighty woman-owned and operated marketing agency can help your community. They use tried and true methods that will connect your organization to your residents using social, digital, and traditional media. Curious? Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. We thank Cathode Ray for their support of the Econ Dev Show. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Cody Morrison. He's the Executive Director of Monadnock Economic Development Corporation in Keene, New Hampshire. Cody, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Dave. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. We are having unseasonably cool weather today in Houston. I think this morning it was about 30. And so I'd imagine it, the temperatures here are similar to what you're experiencing. Um, you could say that because we're actually in a little bit of a heat wave right now. So right now it is 41 degrees, which is unseasonably warm for February. Uh, we had about 50 degrees uh, early, right around noontime today. So uh, a lot of a lot of the home and garden centers are starting to get their spring inventory in and people are starting to get excited about gardening and taking the snow tires off. Sure. Absolutely. Snow tires. <laughs> that is a thing that I have never experienced and hopefully will not have to experience on a permanent basis ever. So you're in Keene, New Hampshire, and you are the executive director of the Monadnock Economic Development Corporation. So what is, first off, because I think that's a very interesting word. What is Monadnock? And it sounds like an Indian word of some kind. Uh, so it is. I believe it's an Abenaki word. And um, the Monadnock region is actually named after Mount Monadnock, which is uh, one of the most hiked mountains in the world. Uh, so depending on which publication you read, uh, we're either number two or number three. Uh, that lies um, in the towns, of, kind of straddles the towns of uh, Jaffrey and Dublin here. And you know, so we're right up there with uh, Mount Fuji in, in Japan and Mount Pai in China. So. Yeah, one of the most hiked mountains in the world and is a really big, um, um, really big part of our travel and tourism industry. Wow, I had no idea. That's interesting. And so then the Economic Development Corporation, I understand that in New Hampshire, there are a number of regional economic development organizations around the state, maybe 13, I think is what I had read. Does that sound about right? Yep. So we are. Um, so there's been some consolidations and some mergers in recent years. So now we are a one of nine regional development corporations in the state of New Hampshire. Uh, we all have our our niches, our little flavors, uh, but our primary area is to um, help grow the 
it's helped grow the economy of the southwestern corner of the state. So uh, we primarily serve about 40 communities spanning two counties, but we've done projects in other regions. Uh, and we're an area, a rural area, uh, probably about 100 to 120,000 person population, uh, spread out uh, over about 1,100 square miles, 1,200 square miles. Uh, but we're an area that's rich in manufacturing, rich in travel and tourism, and uh, rich in logistics. So our region is home to uh, some of the largest employers uh, in the state of New Hampshire. So, so, so CNS Wholesalers, they're a big uh, food distribution company. Uh, their corporate headquarters is located in Keene. Um, New Hampshire Ball Barons over in the town of Jaffrey. Uh, they employ over 1,200 people. Uh, Cheshire Medical Center, they employ about 1,000 people right here in Keene. And just about an hour up the road uh, is one institution that is uh, pretty noteworthy in the state of New Hampshire. It's technically outside of our arbitrary region, but we've worked with them in the past, and that's uh, Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, which is um, in the same town as uh, Dartmouth College, which is our New Hampshire's only Ivy League institution. So historically, what do the regional economic development corporations do? Like, What's their primary purpose, or how do they work? Yeah, so a lot of the regional development corporations have a long history of business lending. We run uh, USDA intermediary lending programs. We'll run a uh, community development block grant economic development programs. Uh, we'll we'll uh, manage brownfields, uh, EPA, our um, brownfields programs, revolving loan fund programs in the EPA. Uh, but you know, each community, each region has a different need. So our main economic core, we're just outside of it, is in the uh, is in what's Overborough County and kind of over on the seacoast of New Hampshire, which is. Uh, probably within driving distance, within uh, daily commuting distance of Boston. So that's where a lot of the state's economic activity occurs. So they're going to be naturally focused on different initiatives than we are out here. Uh, but Maddock Economic Development Corporation, uh, historically, we've uh, really focused on industrial and commercial real estate development and business lending. Uh, so we've lent uh, $14 million over the last 20 years throughout our region. And we've also built a number of properties and number of um, buildings to bring in manufacturers, to help hospitals, municipal buildings uh, throughout our region. So, uh, since our founding in 1985, we've built uh, our projects have resulted in over a million square feet of new construction. We've leveraged over $100 million in tax credits and grants, and our projects account for about 12% of the region's workforce. Uh, so, we work we work uh, pretty aggressively with the New Markets Tax Credit Program. So, if a uh, if a business approaches us or is looking to expand. Uh, businesses of all sizes, whether you're looking at your local pizza shop or if you're looking at your local um, bearing manufacturer, uh, they're good at their craft. They're experts in the craft. They do what they do, but they're not often um, knowledgeable or don't have, often have the expertise in navigating the nuances of uh, land use development boards and the permitting processes, acquiring financing and building, you know, all things that developers do, that real estate development, real estate developers do. So, so that's where we come in and we have historically uh, for quite a number of years. Uh, so our biggest community in the Monadnock region is the city of Keene, uh, which is about 23,000 people. Uh, that's the county seat. And again, that's uh, the only incorporated city with a mayor and city council. All the rest are situated as towns. Uh, our projects represent um, about, I think, 10% of the city of Keene's total property tax revenue. Uh, that's from various companies and buildings that we've built uh, over the years. So uh, we've done mixed use, we've done manufacturing, and pretty much everything else in between. But as the need of the economy have really shifted, uh, we have uh, come to a point now in New Hampshire, at least, where workforce development, childcare, and housing are really the three main issues. Uh, we do have um, an aging population up here. New England's a relatively older region, uh, whereas some of the priorities maybe 20 years ago may have stressed uh, job creation uh, far more, uh, whereas now uh, we're kind of bottlenecked by some of those uh, restraints in our human infrastructure, again, childcare, housing, workforce development. Uh, so a lot of regions here and a lot of organizations from the local level all the way up to the state level are looking at what we can do to 
um, keep our young people here, to make New Hampshire an attractable place in our desirable ways to start a business, to start a family, and to further your career, further your education, or even start a business. You know, those are challenges that every place is facing, regardless of whether or not they're in the Northeast or in the Southeast or in the West. They're, as the baby boomers are retiring, a huge portion of our workforce is leaving. And the pandemic obviously put a lot of strain on everything, caused a number of people to drop out of the workforce, caused for a variety of different reasons. But I think we're seeing this real strain and tension across the country. So this isn't something that is unique, but it is interesting because as you said, the Northeast is an older population and you have those unique challenges. So one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show was to talk about what you're doing about workforce and childcare, especially the childcare part, because that seems like such an important part of economic development that completely was not on our radar five years ago. Five years ago, if you were interviewing for a new job in a new community, they would ask you about business recruitment. They would ask you about business retention. They would ask you about workforce maybe, but they would never ever ask you about childcare and if you had any experience in developing childcare. And now that is top of mind for every employer and every economic development organization across the country. So I'm really interested to hear what role you're playing because there was an article that came out. It was, I think it was, we included it in the newsletter last week where you mentioned childcare and a little bit about what was going on there. So I would love to hear that. Yeah, and I think uh, some of the main things that you highlighted in the hypothetical interview that we've all been through at one point or another, and what do you know about business recruitment, business retention, uh, and childcare really is a strategy to address both uh, communities that or companies are going to be more likely to want to relocate to a region if they know that uh, there's housing units that are going to be coming online at some point. Companies aren't looking one or two years down the road, they're looking 10 and 20. Uh, so just outside of the city of Keene, the town called Swansea, they have 320 housing units that are permitted right now and a couple of big projects going on, along with infrastructure and railroad development. So that's part of, uh, yeah. that's part of our promotion is letting communities, letting developers and letting com- companies know that there is the activity here for them. But specifically, uh, what we are doing right now um, is we are working in um, really what is a regional grassroots movement, if that makes any sense. So we are partnering with our community action agency, with our incubator center, with the small business development center, uh, our university system. And we are uh, in spearhead what's called the Bringing It Home Project. Uh, so this is a home-based childcare create, business creation program. If, again, if that makes any sense. Uh, so what this aims to do, the goal of the program is to create 10 new home-based childcare centers by the end of 2025, which would add another uh, 60 to 120 childcare slots in the region. Doesn't I know we have a national audience here. Uh, that may not sound like a whole lot, but uh, when you consider that most childcare centers have multi-year long waiting lists, uh, as you know, it becomes um, it becomes a great bit of news and a sign of relief coming uh, down the road. So I was just speaking with a mother yesterday who uh, had a one-year-old in a childcare center in her neighborhood that she's trying to get into have a two-year waiting list. At that time, they're going to be getting ready for preschool. So. Uh, she recently, uh, she was a nurse and she's an LR. She's a nurse over at our hospital. And we all know, we've all heard about nursing shortages and the constraints that our hospital systems are facing right now. Uh, she ended up having to leave that job because she couldn't find childcare. So 
Uh, she now has become an office manager at um, her husband's company because they're, she, she's able to bring her son in. So I, I asked her the question, if you were able to find childcare a couple of years ago, would you have ever left the hospital? She said, no, not at all. I love that work. Um, and that's tough work as well. Uh, so what this program aims to do is to provide another opportunity and provide another bit of relief for families like that all throughout our state, all throughout our region. Um, but basically what this program does is uh, we are actively recruiting uh, individuals that are looking to build or start home-based child care centers. So once we put them through a, a vetting process with our committee, uh, they will receive free business consultation services uh, it's through a place called the Hannah Grimes Center for Entrepreneurship. We have the best incubator in our state. I, I will certainly say that we're the best. I'm sure other regions will disagree with me and say that theirs are better. But uh, the Hannah Grimes Center, they will receive, um, they'll be entered into a cohort that will uh, help them with their business planning, with their marketing planning, with you know, basically teaching them how to become professional business owners. Whenever you're running a company, uh, you need to really master two things. You need to be a master of your craft and you need to master being a business owner, how to do the nuts and bolts of it, how to file your taxes, how to read a P&L. Uh, so this, is, so the, this class will teach them the ins and outs of how to run a business. Then simultaneously, um, through our community college system and through our United Way, or the Monadnock United Way, uh, these providers will gain training that is specific to early childhood development and child care training. So they'll learn how to be a professional provider. And we will work with them uh, through a consultant and through um, through a consultant in our state's license, uh, child care licensure bureau to figure out exactly what they need to get licensed. And then uh, we come in at the end and Monadnock Economic Development Corp, uh, we are going to be able to provide um, funding, an interest-free loan or a forgivable loan uh, for housing rehab. So if your house needs a new septic, if the state tells you you need a new septic in order to gain accreditation as a child care center, then we'll come in and fund that. And so this cohort will train you it will really walk you through the entire process of how to create a home-based child care center from A to Z. And um, we are planning a 2024 or a 2025 cohort. And throughout that entire process and while they continue to uh, run the business, we'll check in with them periodically and we'll make sure that they're networked and they're receiving um, business development training in addition to the regular CPE credits that they're going to have to get to maintain their certifications. So uh, a lot of businesses, um, when they're going at it, they're starting, uh, especially childcare businesses um, that are kind of home-based, uh, they're often alone. They're often, if they get a little bit of help from their EDC or from SPOR or from Small Business Development Center, uh, they may get a little bit at the beginning and then you're, kind of, you're off and running. You know, that's, you know, that, that's the risk. That's our free market economy. You're able to go and kind of run with it. Uh, but what we're doing here is that we are taking these providers and we're putting them into a network that we're going to continue to be able to nurture uh, for many years to come to make sure that um, we can all we can a protect the public investment, but b make sure that uh, they're they're successful and that we're able to really help address this issue. Uh, and the need for this uh, this was actually started um, as part of a, a roundtable meeting that happened back in May. Um, the mayor of Keene, George Hansel, um, he helped uh, organize and get a lot of groups together to really sit down and figure out. What can we do? What can we do? Uh, we've realized up here with the cost of construction, with supply chain issues, uh, that we're, we're not going to build our way out of the child care crisis. It's not cheap to build a new building these days, especially when, uh, especially for a business like a child care center that um, has financial realities that make it difficult uh, to be able to do like a build to suit to lease with a bigger developer. You know, they, they can't pay 200 bucks a square foot for new construction. You know, their uh, child care providers are, you could, I was having this conversation with a manufacturing executive the other day who's facing childcare issues, and we we're talking about uh, the pay scale. 
and uh, childcare workers are compensated in this country, which is considering the, the work that they do and the magnitude of their impact in society, uh, it's, it's not nearly enough. It's like teachers. Um, and the, the comment that I made to, to this gentleman was, I could go work for 15 to 20 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour working at a childcare center, or I could go work for you for 30 bucks an hour coming right off the street and running a CNC machine and building aerospace parts, um, which you know, we obviously want to help that employer uh, recruit a workforce and train a workforce, but it speaks to a bigger issue in kind of the business model of childcare centers. A lot of companies have, have tried to uh, put them on site, bigger hospitals will do that, bigger employers will, well, but at the end of the day, that becomes a subsidized benefit from the company for the worker. So it's great that I wish more companies would do it. It's great. But point being, it's made as a it's a necessity. It's a decision that a company has to make in order to recruit a workforce that is something that isn't naturally available in the marketplace. Um, again, I don't, I don't know if you have children, Dane, but uh, if you and, and I'm not sure what the, the market is like down in Texas, but if uh, up in our region, if you were to have a child today, uh, you better know somebody. You better know a provider. Um, and you, the minute that you find out that you're going to be expecting, uh, you got to start calling the Montessori schools. You got to start calling the providers to, to get on the waiting list. Uh, and this has also happened in the midst of a demographic issue. The entire country is facing, the U.S. as a whole is facing. Our population is getting older. My generation, um, the millennial generation, we're having fewer and fewer children. Uh, home sizes are getting smaller. Uh, so you know, even with you know, the demographic issues that we're facing, we're still facing a severe childcare shortage. Um, and again, that really is that the housing issue and the workforce development issue are really uh, bottlenecking New Hampshire's economy right now because business is booming up here. We have companies that are uh, moving up here quite often. We're surrounded by, you know, we have what's called the New Hampshire advantage. You know, we don't have a sales tax, we don't have an income tax, and we have a state government that is, that is pretty, pretty hands off. And we're kind of in a in a very prosperous part of the country, uh, we're part, earlier part beneficiaries of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, New Hampshire is full of old mill towns right along the Connecticut River that uh, really made their mark in the textile industry. Uh, but you know, over you know, in recent years, New Hampshire's economy has really, really grown. Um, you know, we have the fifth-ranked state economy ranking according to Wallet Hub. Um, we have a two and a two point seven percent unemployment rate, uh, which is great. Um, in most years, you know, twenty years ago. 2.7% uh, unemployment would be a much better sign than it is today. Um, just because of the demographic issue we mentioned earlier and needing to find more workers, needing to get more people up. Um, this whole concept is so interesting. This idea that you're going to work with people to start childcare providers in their own homes you means that you're taking people, let, taking a, a woman, let's say, as an example, who maybe wasn't able to work, had to leave her job because had to leave the workforce because she had a child. So she had to stay home and take care of her child because she wasn't able to find more childcare. And if she's like that, there are other people like that that are either now unemployed or underemployed. And you're going to take work with that person to start their own childcare in-home childcare company and you're going to train them and you're going to do all of this stuff that's involved. But at the end of the day, you have a you have another business. You've created another business in the community. You've created a new entrepreneur in the community. And you have now have childcare spots, which then allow other people who are in the community that had to stay home or be underemployed because they didn't have childcare to 
to now go out and work in those, like you said, $30 an hour jobs. I just find this so fascinating because you're kind of hitting two things. You're creating new entrepreneurs, which are which is something that we all want to do, which is part of our mandate to create new businesses. And you're tackling the childcare issue at the exactly the same time. This seems like such a win-win. I don't really know what is actually involved in childcare, but it seems like you might be able to even pull in some people into, into the industry that would start this that maybe aren't in their sort of peak child rearing ages. You might be able to pull in some older folks who maybe have retired, but they're not they're not old. They're just on the mature side and they decide, you know what, this is an opportunity for us. We can do that. So it seems like you, this gives you all kinds of great options. And I just applaud you for and your organization for doing this and coming up with this solution. It, it just seems great. Well, th- well, thank you, Dan. It really speaks to a bigger issue that we need to address here because uh, the business recruitment side, we do concurrently work very aggressively on that. Uh, we have a lot of companies that we are actively working with. But uh, the example that I give all the time is, let's say Amazon called me today. Jeffrey Bezos or Jeffrey, Jeffrey's assistant. You know, Amazon called me today and said, I want to build a factory in Keene or Jaffrey or Walpole or, and I need a quarter million square feet and we're going to employ 10,000 people and life is going to be grand. Uh, I don't know where I'm finding those 10,000 people. Uh, we could probably, we could find the space somewhere, but uh, a lot of communities uh, in this part of the world in the Northeast are in very similar situations. Um, you know, we have among the most educated workforce, I think, Five out of the eight Ivy League schools are within a four-hour drive of us. Uh, so people from Harvard, from Dartmouth, from Yale, from Brown live in our communities, that teach at our colleges. Um, I think we have the eighth most, um, eighth highest educational attainment per capita um, in New Hampshire here. So, uh, And we have a, a long history of, of a hard work. Um, I speak with companies uh, quite often that have facilities in other parts of the country. They may have in Carolinas or in Texas or in Arizona or Missouri and other parts of the world. Um, and uh, the conversations that I have is uh, on what keeps them up here. Why, instead of going, I, it's not the cold weather. It's not the cold weather that's keeping you in New Hampshire. I'm, I mean, people may prefer the, the snow. Um, I've gotten used to it over the years, but uh, it's really the workforce is what attracts companies up, up here. Is people, multi-generational workers of you know, fathers, grandfathers, mothers, grandmothers that have worked in the factory and have contributed to a culture of hard work up here in New England. Uh, so really, our biggest focus right now is, in addition to the typical EDC activities and business recruitment and lending and development, um, you know, we're, look, we're positioning ourselves to be nimble enough and to be flexible enough to be able to meet the needs, uh, meet the needs of the day. Uh, so you know, again, biggest issues are that human capital issue that we're, that we're working on. But, but going back to the child care specifically, uh, a lot of families do favor uh, family-based care. You can go to a storefront or you can go to kind of a, a more typical brick and mortar uh, commercial child care center, which that works for some families. Uh, but a lot of families like um, like child care or like um, like family based child care. We are the live for your die state. We do love local control. We do love uh, freedom and ability to choose to the greatest extent. So um, a lot of these people that are signing up and wanting to partner with us on this. A lot of the families that are interested in becoming providers are people that may already be providing the service, but they may be doing it for another family member or a neighbor uh, or somebody else in their community. And the rationale is often, well, if I'm doing it already, I might as well build my own capacity, uh, form form the corporate uh, partnerships and get the training that I need uh, to take that to the next level. Because to to gain all that training, 
Um, it's you know, it's it's not cheap. You know, certainly, if you're going to go through a child care development program, that's uh, going to have some out of pocket costs. If you're going to get business development training, uh, that's going to have out of pocket costs. But what this does is it really addresses a critical need here uh, that we have in the region. So, how's the EDC? How is it funded in New Hampshire? How does that part work? Yep. So we um, so we're funded through a variety of different sources, uh, whether it be a membership or municipal contribution program. Uh, we receive uh, some state and federal grants uh, for business technical assistance. We receive uh, program revenue for various programs that we run. Uh, we also, being a real estate development company, we do have projects. We do recruit some you know, very uh, modest, but some mm-hmm. operating revenue for. Um, we have a couple of new markets tax credit deals, for instance. Um, and uh, we also receive an interest from our uh, lending portfolio. And we also do general fundraising, annual appeals, uh, some more of those activities that a traditional nonprofit would do. Uh, I mean, do receive a little bit of state support, uh, but really what you find with the EDCs sure. uh, compared to other states um, with kind of a bigger state government is uh, the EDCs have learned to be very nimble over the years, any economic development group, and very entrepreneurial. Um, we all run our organizations like a business. Uh, and that really allows us to prep to the center of any issue and to try to make the best use of our time and you know, put our best effort forward and get the right partners in that we need. Uh, so our organization is relatively small. So uh, we rely on our network of contractors, but we also um, partner with other organizations. Like you know, we often work with the Small Business Development Center if we have a business coming into the pipeline that's looking for capital for you know, whatever reason. Uh, but looking at the child care program, if I had a staff of 50 under me, uh, we may not need to bring in five other agencies uh, that would be able to bring sure. in um, you know, that area of expertise. So we really rely on creative partnerships here uh, in our region. That's phenomenal. You, I looked at your LinkedIn and you were uh, economic development coordinator somewhere else in New Hampshire. And then you went and worked in Vermont for a couple of years before you came back. How is Vermont? different? How, what was the experience like there? Uh, well, the economy is a little bit different over there. Um, even though we do have you know, similar cultures, we're, we're only separated by one river, the Connecticut River. Uh, we have similar size, uh, but uh, how they view economic development over there is a little bit different. Uh, they are far more um, invested in uh, their travel and tourism industry. Uh, they have some um, a lot of uh, very well-known ski resorts. Um, I'm sure if you go up any weekend, especially this time of year, if you uh, go to, let's say, Killington, which is a nationally known ski resort, uh, you'll see license plates from New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, probably California, probably Ontario and Quebec. Um, uh, but um, Vermont focuses a lot on um, natural resource production, uh, agriculture, travel and tourism, and a fair amount of, fair amount of manufacturing as well. But uh, you see a little bit of a different um, structure and kind of how their state government functions and how they work towards economic development. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of the yeah, different approaches work for different states. Um, but Vermont's is, economy is a little bit different in the sense that uh, their, their biggest neighbor is uh, Quebec, their big city. Um, the biggest city in Vermont is Burlington, which is where Bernie Sanders comes, comes from. Uh, and that has a population of about 40,000 people. Uh, Vermont's economy is Vermont's economy is a $28 billion economy. So it is, I think, the smallest or the second smallest uh, economy in the country, whereas New Hampshire is $88 billion, So we're a little bit bigger. But you know, our, our, our huge hub, um, we have a seacoast over here in New Hampshire, and our huge hub uh, is Boston down to our south. Um, you know, we, many people that live in New Hampshire commute down to Boston and vice versa. Uh, but in New Hampshire here, we also have a trade port. We have a Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. 
Um, so on the import-export side, we really do have a good distinct advantage. Uh, we have a, a Manchester Boston Regional Airport here, and um, again, within you know, within probably a five-mile drive, there's 40, 50 million people. Um, just New York, Hartford. It's a it's a very we're here in New Hampshire. We're really at the end of the you know, the most northern part of the Northeast megalopolis, uh, and that's if you look at a population density or like a streetlight map at night. Uh, of the U.S., you'll see from D.C. up to Boston or Manchester, New Hampshire, um, there's just a string of lights, and where uh, we reap, reap a lot of the benefits of that. Um, and you know, we have a, a lot of good opportunities here, and uh, a lot of great companies and workforce here because of it. Well, it sounds like you're a real champion of economic development there in New Hampshire. It's good to talk to you and just get this whole different perspective. Like I mentioned before we started recording, I don't get to talk to a lot of economic developers from the from New England, from the Northeast. And so you always kind of wonder, what is it like there? When you think of, I, I guess, and maybe I'm just biased, but when I think of economic development, it just doesn't, the Northeast doesn't strike me as a place that maybe does things the same way they do in the South or the Midwest or whatnot. But it sounds like you're doing exactly the same kinds of things that everybody else does. So that's phenomenal to learn. Yeah, well, when you think about it, um, the people in the Northeast, I'll use Boston as an example, uh, that's very big in manufacturing, biotechnical, uh, medical industry. Um, graduate from Harvard and MIT have to go somewhere. They have to live somewhere. Um, so you know, that's why Massachusetts has always been a huge economy and a huge influence on our economy. And that um, we do provide a little bit of a cheaper option. Again, we don't have a sales or an income tax up here in New Hampshire. So uh, that's one reason why we do get a lot of uh, retail traffic that comes up. I-93, the main highway, the main artery of our economy here in New Hampshire. Uh, if you go up on, let's see, it's Friday afternoon at 3.30. Um, if I wanted to go up to the family farm up in Monroe and wanted to go up that highway, it'd probably take me an extra half an hour at least <laughs> to get up there just with the amount of ski traffic that we have up here. Um, you know, but up at the top of I-93 there is uh, Cannon Mountain, which is regarded as one of the more extreme uh, ski mountains in, um, in on the East Coast. Um, and you know, pe- people that can ski Colorado generally will train um, you know, over at Cannon Mountain. So it's, it, it really is a great place to be. And you know, we have a nice, diverse economy, um, travel tourism, manufacturing, uh, tech industry. I, oh, I want to ask you, I've, I know, and you've mentioned it, that New Hampshire doesn't have a sales or an income tax. Does that's at the state level. So do the communities, do the cities or the counties or whatever, do they have a sales tax or is there no sales tax at all? Uh, so there is no sales tax at all. Um, we have interest in, we have interest in dividends, we have rooms and meals, we have property taxes, um, but we don't have a sales or an income tax. Uh, we don't have um, a local options tax, which is generally a 1% surcharge or, you know, within city limits. Uh, last community I worked in had one of those, um, but our... Um, our Department of Revenue, or our Department of Taxes here, which is now the Department of Revenue Administration here in New Hampshire, uh, takes a very different role than you know, some of our neighbors uh, in New England and Vermont or Massachusetts or Maine or other states uh, with that tax structure. And uh, one advantage that we find to that is, again, you have your state government being kind of another step away uh, from the business industry and allowing um, individuals and businesses to act in the way that they uh, best see fit. But uh, there's a reporting burden, um, administrative burden that uh, with a common complaint that I received over in Vermont uh, when they were the state wanted to pass new tax legislation. Uh, so there's kind of that, that underlying that secondary uh, cost of businesses 
Um, whereas they may not see a huge impact on retail goods. If you're just going to the grocery store, um, you know, a lot of people probably wouldn't notice 1%. But however, if you're buying machine pools, uh, if, or if you are buying um, any big equipment, if you're buying any trucks, you know, that extra 1% adds up pretty quickly for a $100,000, $40 million purchase. Uh, so that's one advantage that we do have here is we, we kind of leave you alone. We're here to support you. We have great organizations, regional development corporations, um, a very proactive um, State Department of Business and Economic Affairs. Um, over the last probably, you know, since Governor Sununu actually got elected in uh, 2016, um, the state has really sought to take a different approach to economic development. So our state economic development department was uh, married with um, par uh, state parks and natural resources. So we split those off. Uh, so uh, the, the New Hampshire BEA um, has really been spearheading a lot of uh, different ways just to reimagine how we do business in our, in our community uh, in regards to business recruitment, uh, recreation, uh, tourism, uh, and just general promotion and keeping New Hampshire in the conversation. And most people may know uh, New Hampshire, if you are in politics at all, we're the first in the nation primary state. Uh, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley was, uh, is up here this week. I think she was in the town of Exeter last night. Uh, former President Trump spoke to the New Hampshire Republican Party just a couple weeks ago. So, you know, we'll, we'll get a lot of national attention with presidential candidates up here. But kind of beyond that, you know, we've the state has really taken a proactive approach to uh, keeping us in the conversation, letting people know all the great things that we have to offer. Um, so our, our regional chamber of commerce is um, our destination marketing organization is also uh, doing a regional promotion to let people know um, what we are here in the Monadoc region. Uh, so they also they just launched a new website, monadocnh.com, uh, that people can go and learn about what we have here in our region. Um, so it's it's um, the, the tagline is within thriving distance, um, not within driving distance, but within thriving distance. But thriving, yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. And I'll include that in the show notes for this episode because I think that people would really sure. be interested in seeing what this oh, looks like and what's available. Well, Cody, this has been excellent. If any of our listeners want to reach out to you, they want to pick your brain, they want to make contact, what is the best way for them to do that? Well, they can check out our website, manadnotedc.org, uh, or they can reach me directly. Um, my phone number, my cell phone number is 603-313-3800, uh, uh, or they can reach out to us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, Manadnot Economic Development Corporation, um, or directly at info at manadnotedc.org, and that's my email address. Excellent. Cody, this has been great. I've learned so much about New Hampshire. And you've given me a whole different picture of the state and of economic how economic development can be done in a state without a sales tax or an income tax. But yeah, this has been fabulous. You've been a great guest. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure to you know, come and promote and let people know what's going on in our region. It's been a pleasure meeting you as well. And we'd love to have you up here one day. We'd, you know, we'll get you some ice skates. We'll throw you on a snowmobile and we'll send you along the trails and we'll make sure you're layered up beforehand. Absolutely. Sounds good. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.